Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. The wonderful thing about God's attributes is that each one contains a doctrine, duty, and delight. The doctrine is what the attribute is, the duty is what the attribute demands from us, and the delight is how this attribute is a treasure to our hearts. So yesterday we looked at the doctrine of God being a spirit. God is a spirit. Today we're looking at the duty that it implies for us. And here it is. Jesus, in speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, said this, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So God's spirituality first means that we must worship him in spirit. Brothers, how do we worship God in spirit? Well, um, it really reminds me of of God's criticism of the people of Israel in the Old Testament and how oftentimes their worship was merely external. And so they went through these actions as if they were somehow effective uh, in their worship of God. And, And God was very clear to them that that your worship is false because your in your souls are not are not worshiping me. You're not following me in, in obedience. Mm-hmm. I'd re- much rather have obedience than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And 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 so he he criticized them constantly for for going through these external modes. And I think that when Jesus approaches the woman at the well, he he shares with her because Jesus is the manifestation of God on this earth. He is the fingerprint of God. He is the image of God here on this earth. And so he came to tell us directly what God thinks. Mm -hmm. And so when he approaches the issue of worship, he says, so there's this time coming when we're going to be worshiping in spirit and in truth. And and so I think he's saying, I'm going to make it very clear to you that the worship that I expect is soul worship or spirit worship, Mm -hmm. where, where you, in the core of who you are, are engaging in the worship of God as spirit. Mm-hmm. I do believe that the, the moment that we can really do that is when our spirits are regenerated mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit himself. So only only upon the, the reception of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit can we then be activated in order to truly worship him in a way that Jesus was speaking about. So I do think it's referring to the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And, and and as we're um, indwelt by and filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're, we're, we're truly connecting with God in a relational way as we worship, which I don't see as just Sunday, but I see as, yeah. a, as a living relationship with God on on a regular basis. So Jesus really ups the ante of what worship is here because mm-hmm. he says, I got to give you uh, my Holy Spirit that will enable you to then enter into relationship and worship in a way that you never have before. But I also expect that that's the way you're, you're going to enter. And so for me, it's also a, it's a, it's a cause of, of pause mm-hmm. where I go, okay, I got to make sure that since God has given me the means that I'm going to follow him with the will yeah. and that I'm actually going to worship him that way in everything I do. And I do believe that that's a a continual um, effort that God's calling us to. Yeah. 
and and there's a spiritual nature of our communion with God because God has made us to be spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. And as Brett, you're saying that when the Holy Spirit moves into our lives and activates our spirit, brings us from, from death to life, um, there's a spiritual bond there. Paul talks about it in Romans 8 when he says that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Right. And so, therefore, we because of that, we cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, there's a there's a spiritual nature of our communion that that God makes possible uh, that would not be possible were a were we not spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we have a body, but God has made us to be spiritual creatures. And uh, and I think that's part of what it means that we're created in the image of God that we're created with relationship for Him. But then, all, when the Holy Spirit moves to, to activate that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Both of you guys talked about, well, especially you, Brett, about um, how what the worship that God wants from us is is deeper than just the external emotions. And I immediately thought of uh, Isaiah 29, 13, which says, uh, these people draw close to me with their lips, but their hearts are, are far from me. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing about this uh, duty that God requires because he's spirit is that you know, two people can be doing the exact same action and one can be true worship and one can not be worship at all. So two people can be, you know, and I, I agree that worship is, is all of life and not just Sunday morning, but using this as an example, two people can be singing a, a song on a Sunday morning with their lips moving, with, with sound going through their throat. One person can actually be worshiping in spirit and the other person not at all. Well, I, I think of why, you know, in, in Genesis chapter four, you know, why does God receive, you've got these two brothers bringing their worship and God receives Abel's worship, but does not receive Cain's worship. And I've heard some explanations of that. Well, it's because Abel brought an animal sacrifice and there has to be the shedding of blood. But the Bible didn't say that at that point. And in fact, later on, grain offerings are perfectly acceptable in certain circumstances and in the temple worship. So it's not simply the gift that's brought. There's something going on in the heart of Cain Mm -hmm. that makes his worship. There's something going on in his own heart that creates a barrier between him and God Mm -hmm. and makes his worship unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not worshiping in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. You know, this was a theme all throughout uh, Jesus ministry. He, he kept trying to get the people to realize that God looks at the heart yeah. And and this was a theme throughout the Old Testament, as sure. you just mentioned, from, from the very beginning. But something that they didn't get, and we have a hard time getting as well, that we're satisfied with external duties and external um, you know, outlooks of, of worship or, or displays of worship. But but God really is concerned about the heart. And like mm-hmm. you were saying, Josh, you know, that 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 means that I have to be examining my own because I can sing this song and I can yeah. do everything can look exactly the same, but one one Sunday maybe I didn't worship, and one Sunday maybe I really maybe I really did, mm-hmm. and and it all depends on what happens here. And the ultimate judge of that is is God Himself. Mm-hmm. And as I read what Jesus is saying, if your heart's not in it, if your if your heart, if your spirit is not wanting to worship Me, then it's just not what you think it is. Well, and it always drives us back to the gospel because honestly, when I'm sitting there on Sunday morning, and again, just an example, because all of life is worship. But when I'm sitting there on Sunday morning, do you know how often I don't feel like singing? 
Yeah. Well, pick any pick any Sunday you want to pick. Right, right. Um, and so it, it, it's oh God, I'm failing in this. Yeah. That's why I need Christ, who perfectly obeyed your law for me. And it's that remembering of the gospel that then it pushes me into the, the the presence of God. Yeah. That's why we call this the gospel for life. The gospel. Yeah, right. The gospel is what helps you sing on Sunday morning. The gospel helps you drink. A glass of water for the glory of God. That's what's required of us. Uh, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And isn't it true that we actually have to be dependent on the Spirit to worship in spirit? Yeah. That we actually don't oftentimes feel like we're worshiping the Spirit. And instead of just trying to you know, drum up our good works again, but internally, mm-hmm. the gospel says, I am uh, accepted by, by faith alone, by mm-hmm. Christ's blood alone. That's it. And, and as I worship him, I have to keep remembering that, applying that to my life and saying, Lord, help me. I need your power as always to be able to even worship you. Yeah. Right. And, and, and thankfully, we're, you know, our, I, and I do think we, we often make a, perhaps make a category or error between spiritual and feeling. We tend to associate uh, the spiritual with feelings, and I'm not sure that the Bible actually does that. But let's say, you know, in my relationship, to, to draw a limited analogy, in my relationship with my wife, I may not always feel, you know, in, in rapturous feelings of love. But I've found over the years that if I act lovingly, the feelings will follow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes in worship, let's say you're in worship on Sunday morning and you're, maybe you're just getting up to do your daily quiet time devotions and you don't feel like doing it. Yeah. Do it anyway. Yep. Even if it feels like going through the motions. Yep. Pray pray God soften my heart. God give me a tender spirit toward you. But do it anyway. Read the word anyway. Absolutely. Pray anyway. When you're in church, sing the hymns, sing the songs anyway. <laughs> don't let your feelings yep. stop you from worshiping God. And and just like a caboose following a train, the feelings will follow. Absolutely. So the second part of this uh, duty from John 4 is that uh, those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does it mean to worship God in truth? (laughs) It's like, uh, dude, why is, you know, why are squares square? You know, that that seems like such an obvious question or, or, or whatever, maybe to some, but I actually think many of us get this wrong. What does it mean to worship God in truth? Well, I think that means to worship God according to his word and uh, being reformed and and maybe perhaps some of our listeners out there have have heard the term regulative principle, which simply means that the Bible regulates our worship or that the Bible tells us how to worship. Now, there's different ways that that's interpreted and I don't want to get, you know, rigid and, and legalistic about it, but... To, to worship God in truth means to worship him according to his word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it means to worship God uh, in a way that honors God's character as God is revealed in his word. And all, all false worship and our, our, our wrong turns in worship to, to, a turn, to return to a theme we've talked about a lot in this show. Worship goes wrong when I dream up my own ideas about God and take that into worship and even, Lord forbid, design the worship service around that. Yeah. And uh, we, we inevitably end up, when we do that, we worship ourselves. Yes. 
if you're worshiping your idea of God, yes. what you're really worshiping is you. Absolutely. You know, um, as I look at this text, I realize that in the context of what Jesus was saying, the woman at the well was um, drawing on a controversy about truth. She was saying that we Samaritans worship here, but you um, Jews say that we, you should worship in Jerusalem. Right. And so, you know, she's trying to play him out about the con- where, where are you at in this controversy. And I believe that Jesus draws a third way because she's saying, you know, we worship, you know, as Samaritans and and the Jews say it's exclusively worship only happens in Jerusalem. And I, I believe Jesus was re- reorienting her and saying, neither is the way we're going to go here. And that I am the knowledge, the truth that is here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right. Right. And so now Jesus has the full revelation of, of God's uh, presence and plan for salvation is saying, well, you're going to worship me in truth because now that I have been revealed, now you're going to worship me um, as Savior and Lord, and 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 now you're worshiping truthfully. And, and so these other ways that, that you're trying to pursue God are actually going to be ineffective in worship, and only, the only worship that God's going to count as valuable is the worship through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me just say this at the end of the program then. I mean, if, if you're out here listening, um, if you're a, a Christian who perhaps – never looks at the Bible or, or perhaps you're identify as a Latter-day Saint or, or, or a nominal Catholic. Um, if you are not getting your cues from the word of God, you're not worshiping God. I mean, Jesus makes it very clear here. Those who worship him must worship in this way. So if you're not worshiping in truth, according to God's word, if his truth is not saturated you and informing you on how to pursue God, then then it's actually not worship at all. Like what Pastor Phil said, you're, you're worshiping yourself. If you say, well, I kind of like to think of God like this, and the this uh, contradicts scripture, then, then you're not saying anything about God. You're just saying something about who you are. Well, we'll end there today. Uh, this has been the Gospel for Life. If you'd like to visit us, go to ReformationVoice.com. You can find out information about our upcoming conference in November, as well as register. We'd love to see you there. Um, until next time.